0: In the music, I tell you, it, it fits so well with the sermon. Uh, Brother Aaron didn't know that was backing up, but we're going to back up and go to Romans 8:35, and I'm going to try to get out of the 8th chapter sooner or later. Uh, but there's so much in it that it's just hard to, to digest it. And then Phyllis sings this song that... Uh, <clears throat> I want to try to teach you a new truth today that some of you do not realize. And psychologists tell us, if I can say it three or four times in a different way, maybe you'll pick up on it and carry it away here with you. Uh, but uh, her song is a perfect example of Romans 8, 35 through 39. We have this idea, and we try to tie it into salvation, that uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I, I can go through this, I can go through. That's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying nothing can separate the love of God from us. I'm going to fall, folks. I'm going to fall flat. But the love of God for every one of us is the same. It never, nothing can separate it from us. And that's a glorious, glorious thing. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Stand with me if you would in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all sufficient word. Amen. The Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sleet sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come and then he's just like let's put some lanyap on here some icing nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord thank you lord jesus for the joy to be in your house thank you jesus that we can proclaim the truth this morning that the ground is level at the cross. You love every one of us just like anybody else. doesn't matter how rich we are, how poor we are, how educated or uneducated or what our names are. Lord, thank you that you love us just like everyone. I praise you for that. I ask you in this service to have your way all is vain unless the spirit comes down we're asking you lord in a divine way to let your holy spirit fall fresh on this service and we'll praise you in the name of jesus amen amen want to just look just a few moments this morning at the subject of love no greater love can ever be shown than what christ has shown for us the bible is the greatest book about love that has ever been written. It contains a love story, a greatest one that's ever been told of a righteous God and a fallen mankind. When you look at the cross, you see evil, you see deceived, you see sin. But when you look at the cross also, not only is evil there, but you see love and you see a father that gave his son for our sins. And so at the cross, good comes in, evil comes in, But I've read the rest of the book, and the evil is going to be defeated. It's going to be wiped out. It's going to be a glorious day. So the whole message of Jesus is centered around his love for us. Note with me, first of all, the marvelousness of his love. The marvelousness of his love. It's marvelous in measure. His love, as I prayed earlier, is equal to everyone. There's no one, I'm thankful this morning, you don't have to have enough money to come to Jesus. I'm thankful this morning you don't have to be black, white, red, yellow, no certain color, but anyone can come to Jesus. I'm thankful this morning that you can be as ignorant as a country preacher, or you can be as smart as a Philadelphia lawyer, but the ground is level at the cross, and we can all come to Jesus because of the marvelousness of his measure. 2 Corinthians five fourteen says the love of Christ constrains us. That means it deals with us. If one dies for all. Remember when he died we died. When he was buried we were buried. When he rose we rose. He said in 2 Corinthians if one died for all then those who shall live should serve the one who died. That's talking about us folks. We ought to be serving the Lord. Our devotion to God ought to be more than ever before because of what Christ has done for us. It's marvelous in its measure. It's marvelous in its meaning. It's a simple, don't, don't try to, to complicate the love of God. Let me tell you how simple it is. Romans 5, 8 says in that while we were yet sinners, not when you look good on Sunday, not when you had everything all, 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 all pressed up and everything and you look sharp, while you were laying and wallowing in your sin, Christ loved us enough to die on Calvary for us. That's the love of God in its meaning. Why would he do that? So we would have an opportunity to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and have eternal life. Salvation is a free gift, folks. It's free. But nobody's going to force it on you. You can't, you can't force it. I know there are some people say, well, irresistible grace, if God says you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved. It don't matter whether you want to or not. That's hogwash. Jesus died for every person. Period. But every person's got a choice to make whether or not they'll follow Christ or not follow Christ. And we can go back, I, I spend all morning here if y'all want to. I can go back and prove that over and over and over and over again. again it's not his will, any perish. But to those who received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Salvation is simple, there are many different passages. Of leading someone to Christ but every one of them end up at the same place see that's one of our problems we're gonna have in America here it's all coming you know we're we're gonna be dealt with just like the children of Israel we're being told now you can have your God you can have your church you can do all of that uh, but you got to also accept all this other too. well the only problem with that is our God's a jealous God and he says, you'll have no other gods before me. So I'm just telling you right now, there is no other God. There is no other God. But one of the simplest ways to be saved this morning is the ABCs. You admit you're a sinner. Now, I want to tell you, you know, that may not mean anything to you, but I've told you before, all of us are sinners. Not a one of us different. We're all sinners. You've got to admit you're a sinner. The B stands for believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what the gospel is. The gospel's not doing good works. The gospel's not speaking in tongues. The gospel's not doing all these added on things. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you A, admit you're a sinner. You B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was uh, died, buried, and rose again. And see, you confess it. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God's been raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what the Word of God says. You, You say, well, I thought, I don't care what you think. Listen to what the Word of God says. Salvation's a free gift. And then it's marvelous in its message. Its message. While Christ died for all men, the meaning of his love is so that we, can have an opportunity to to accept him. You're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You've got an opportunity to accept him today. He he stands with open arms ready to receive you today. So it's marvelous. Not only though is it marvelous, it's matchless. It's matchless. No other person can love you and I the way that Jesus loves us. It's beyond compare. There's a question in verse 35, can things separate us or tear us apart from the love of Christ? And then he begins to go through these. Will tribulations do that? Folks, I want to tell you, if you haven't had tribulations and been tried yet, you will be. But that's not going to stop God's love for us. He said distress. Distress comes in different ways. I mean, you may be distressed or... Over certain things, it may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be emotional, it may be financial. But I want to tell you, distress is not going to separate God from loving us. It may be persecution. You may be called upon to take a stand. And I pray, I, 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 over at Arabella this morning, of course, all of those folks, you know, they're all, and I'm officially in that group too. I'm old now too so I can talk about us old folk. and uh, Old me, yeah, there we go. And I want you to know something, folks. Um, The truth is, even you sitting here, you really don't need another preacher to blast you. You know, my soul, you've heard people like Billy Graham, R.G. Lee, W.A. Criswell. Who can Charles Hunt be? This world doesn't need another Charles Hunt world doesn't need another Billy Graham. What this world needs is some old people who will stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And when younger people and the younger people in the generation see that, they'll say, Papa, Papa, Granddad, Mama, Granny, Nanny, whatever. How do you do that? It's because of the love of God. <laughs> I can't do it by myself. It's got to be the love of God. It's matchless, persecution, famine. Man, we don't know what it is to be hungry. Now you say, preacher, now wait a minute. We support this, let me just tell you, Longview is one of the most givingest cities in the entire world. I lost count, Brenda may can tell me wherever she is, of how many different feeding places and shelters in the, in the city of Longview. So I just want to tell you something, I'll go on record and say it. If you're standing on a corner hungry in Longview, you just ain't been to the right place. Because there's food being offered all over our town here. We don't know what it's like to really be hungry. I almost got there several years ago. I spent two weeks in Kenya after week one, all my uh, supplies run out. And uh, <laughs> Barbie, Barbie knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you can have beans today and rice tomorrow and beans and egg. But you know, after about 10 days of that, uh, it just, you know, they, I don't know. There's just something not right. But we don't know what it's like uh, uh, to, to, to go to bed hungry. Uh, nakedness. We, we've not reached the point where. Folk don't have clothes. Peril, great dangers come our way in this lie. The sword, we may even be killed by the sword. We don't know that. But the answer is, things can separate us from loving Christ as we ought to, but nothing can separate Christ from loving us as he said. That's what the Scripture says. Though all of these things are listed, the Bible says we're accounted as sheep for the slaughter, God's children through the ages. Let me just prophesy just a minute here. The leftists are not our problems. The Democrats are not our problems. The Republicans are not our problems. The problem we have is the same problem that other countries have gone through. They just hate Jesus Christ. And as long as you're going to stand up for Jesus, everybody's not going to pat you on the back and say, wonderful, that's great. You can go to England, find churches much nicer than this church. Millions of dollars spent, and there'll be 15 people in them. Save, you can go anywhere you want to in the world. There are very few places where that's not happening. Hmm. The problem we've got is between the devil and the Lord. We've got to always remember that people are not the enemy. They're victims of the enemy. The enemy has and is and always will be Satan until Jesus comes back and straightens all this mess out. Paul said it best in Acts 20. He said, the worst of what I've gone through is nothing to me because the love of the Lord was matchless. It's marvelous. It's matchless. When beaten, maimed, stricken, afflicted, fed to lions, burned at the stake, <laughs> the kingdom of God never went down, it went up. It increased. Mm. I love to read what preachers preach after some traumatic event. I was uh, in revival in Beaumont the the Sunday night and it was a typical meeting and everything. We'll forget it. It was good, but half crowd full. That night, we invaded Kuwait. Monday night at the revival, we had to haul in chairs. And there were even people standing. Now by Tuesday, things had settled down, and went on back on their way. You remember 9/ 11? It didn't matter whether you were a leftist or a rightist or a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or, or anything else. We got to join hands and pray. So I, I looked up a couple of sermons, and, and I, I thought one was really great that the preacher preached on the day uh, or the Sunday after the World Trade Center. And he gets up and he says this. He's in the Midwest. He said, how shall I strengthen you with hope this morning? How can I be an encouragement to you? The World Trade Center just happened. Every one of us in this room, you know the shock we were still in that next Sunday. How shall I strengthen you? Shall I try to strengthen your hope politically and comfort you that America is durable and will come together in great bipartisan unity and prove the democratic system strong and unshakable? Shall I try to strengthen your hope militarily and comfort you that American military might is unsurpassed and can turn back any destructive force against the nation? Shall I try to strengthen your hope financially and comfort you that when the market opens on Monday that there'll be stability and long-term growth to preserve the value of your investments? Shall I try to strengthen your hope geographically And comfort you that we live in the Midwest, far from the major political and military financial targets. Becky and I were living in Port Arthur at that time, and everyone always told us the whole time we were down there, there are hundreds of pipelines underneath. If anything ever landed in Baytown, uh, Channel View, uh, anywhere, uh, it was going to blow all of Beaumont, Port Arthur. Everything was going up in flames. But he said, we're up here. We're okay. Shall I try to strengthen your hope psychologically and send you to the webpage titled Self-Care and Self-Help Following Disasters? Should I try to strengthen your hope eschatologically? That means by end times. I'll use that from now on and not that word. That you won't be on earth anyway when this blazing fireball comes near your town. And then he said this. The answer to those six questions is very easy for me. No. I will not try to strengthen your hope in these six ways. And the reason I won't is because none of them are true. The American political system is not imperishable. Now, don't you tar and feather me. I love America, and I love the democratic way, the republic. I love all of that. But I'm just telling you, if you're thinking right now that because America has been great and what we've experienced, that means that we're going to be uh, imperishable, you're wrong. You're very wrong. Because in the midst of all of this that we're loving and enjoying in America, almost 60 million babies have been murdered. And Somebody's going to pay for that. The American military cannot protect us from every destructive force. I'm just telling you the truth. Ours may be mighty. It may be the biggest of all, uh, but I want to tell you, when somebody unleashes 2,000 rockets on us, one or two of them are going to get through. Hmm. The uh, physiological efforts to feel confident, they're, they're, they're not healing my soul. They're fatal and all the end-time scenarios, the promise of the escape, and you won't have to go through any of this. That didn't matter to those folk who died in the World Trade Center. Well, how are we getting through this mess? Through Jesus. (laughs) His love for us will never cease. That's how you're going to get through it. And if you try to get through it any other way, you're going to find yourself in a mess. I can't, you know, you get old, you don't remember these things, but I love that old song, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. Jesus of Nazarene. Chorus says, oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. That's the thing we can stand on today. His love is marvelous. His love is matchless. And then thirdly, his love is mighty. His love is mighty. The love of my Savior that he has for me and that he has for you has enabled us to become more than conquerors. Listen to me, folks. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could get by. I asked a lady this morning, how are you feeling today? Pretty good under the circumstances. I said, what are you doing under there? my soul. Jesus came to give us life and he came to give it abundant and then he says in this scripture here that we've been made more than conquerors. You got sorrow this morning? Jesus can turn your joy over that sorrow. You got pain this morning? Jesus can take that pain and turn it into rest. He can do it. you got a problem thinking about, I'm going to die and go to hell? Jesus has provided a way for you to go to heaven. It's your choice. you got sin in your life? Jesus has conquered sin with his selfish will. Listen, those nails did not hang Jesus on the cross. That's not what kept him there. And these things in verse 35 might separate us from loving Christ as we should or as we once did, but Paul is careful to point out in this closing verse, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord because of the mightiness of the love of Christ. We can withstand whatever comes our way. I'm not telling you it's going to be pleasant. We older people today are concerned about our younger generation. If you're here today under 30, I want to tell you, I, I probably don't pray for anybody any more than I do that age group under 30. And, and most of us old people think, well, you know, we were crazy when we were young and, and we got out of it. And pray to God that happens. But a little bit of the difference between us being crazy when we were young is we had college professors who would nail us to the wall. Now we've got some professors that are leading the charge. That's why it's important that all of us old people take a stand for Jesus so that we can tell this world, we're where we are today because of what Christ has done for us. If you're here today lost, let me read a passage to you, found in Isaiah chapter one. He said, come now, let's reason together. I picture Isaiah in a modern time, maybe up here with a round table, like a lot of preachers that are in the know do today. You use a round glass table and you have a stool and you just kind of walk around. Isaiah's saying, come. Hey guys, come on down here and let's talk about this. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool no greater love shown to us than what Christ has shown to us today 1773 there was a preacher in a poor country church in Waynesgate, England poor, I'm talking poor, church had a dirt floor there wasn't but just a few of them there, but oh how God had visited the place and they had a young pastor that was just out of this world he was sharp He was a great pulpiteer. He also wrote prolifically. And a big church in London called him as their pastor. And so, I mean, he's leaving this poor country church. He's a young preacher. He's on his way up. He said, load the wagons. They were loading the wagons. Didn't have very much. A couple of wagons carried everything they had. While they were loading the wagons, Mary, his wife, came over to John Fawcett and said, Honey, I can't bear to leave. I just can't bear to leave. And John said, I can't either. Unload the wagons. And for 54 years, that pastor was faithful to that church. Still poor country church. He was faithful to that church. You say, man, what a, I mean, most preachers, man, they just want a bigger church. Everyone I, I talk to, oh, we should have a bigger church. Oh, we can have a bigger church. And I'm beginning to think, oh, Lord, let me have that smaller church. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Not altogether. <laughs> Out of all that experience, John Fawcett wrote this hymn. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. That's what our Lord has done for us. Listen, don't misquote this. It's not, because we try to talk it into people losing their salvation and all this stuff. It's not that I can do nothing to separate me from God. It's that nothing can ever happen with me, to me, or for me that separates God's love for us. That's a whole different ballgame. And when all the smoke is cleared, we're going to understand one day that you need to make a choice to follow Jesus, and you need to take him by the hand, and you need to let him lead you. But I tell you, we're going to discover one day that it was far more important that he had a hold of us instead of us having a hold of him. Lord, would you hear our cries this morning? God, for those that, if they were to walk out of this building and something tragically happened, we'd never see them again. God, today, would it be their day of salvation? Lord, would you open their life and their heart? Would you save them before it's everlasting too late? Lord, I pray for people that need a church home. God, if it's your will they be in this church, would you show them that? And would they be obedient this morning? But maybe, Lord, there there may be some of us that have just kind of forgotten how loving you are and how loving you've been. Lord, maybe we've not loved like you love. And today you're calling us because we died with you. We was buried with you. We've been resurrected with you. And we're to love folks just like you love folks. God, would you help us do that? These altars here, God, today, I pray they would be filled with people crying out to you, thanking you for the love that only you can give. Let your spirit have control and work today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together as we...